This is Texas Soccer Radio. Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Esto es Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Thank you for uh, joining us again. Just found out that we were live when uh, we didn't really mean to be, so hopefully we made some super embarrassing uh, sounds and visuals there for everybody. But uh, <laughs> my name is Kyle Makey. His name is Larry Leathers, and uh, we are excited to be here tonight. Sorry we're running a couple minutes late, but uh, 9 p.m. Central Time on Periscope at TX Soccer Radio. That's the place to be Thursday nights. If you want to get in here for this live recording of the podcast, um, thank you to Beautiful Game Network for letting us be part of the family um, and for Roughneck Scarves for sponsoring the podcast. So uh, you can check out their stuff at roughneckscarves.com, R-U-F-F, neckscarves.com. Um, and of course, Beautiful Game Network, BGN. You can see our BGN site. If you go to texassoccerradio.com, that'll lead you to our BGN site. So. Larry, how are you doing, man? How how are things tonight? Well, besides not hitting <laughs> buttons in the right order, I'm doing good. I got a nice uh, cup full of bourbon and coke over here, so I'm good to go. I'm gonna need it tonight with everything we're talking about. Yeah, we got quite the list, don't we? Uh, it's a it's a big one tonight. <laughs> um, let's let's start out with something, man. I adjusted all of my stuff, and now everything's in a weird spot. Uh, everything's terrible. Um, let's start out with uh, USL play for San Antonio FC because it seems like an eternity ago now, but San Antonio FC did have a pretty miraculous 2-1 win over Portland uh, just last Saturday. So um, <laughs> what what were you thinking going through that game up until I don't have the minutes in front of me. I'm pulling them up right now, but up until that late, late first goal by Omar Gordon, what was going through your head? How much were you panicking? What did you think of the game before those goals? Well, I mean, we went into this game. We were both on board, I think with being okay with walking out of this one as a tie. So to sneak out of there with uh, three points, you know, I, I'm going to take it. Alex Bruce finished it off there at the end. Yeah, it was. uh, So the first SAFC goal was scored in the 86th minute by Omar Gordon. And then Alex Bruce finished it off in 90 plus three in a pretty fantastic form. Um, I, you know, coming into the game, T2 was, I think, third in the West, um, third or fourth, third, I think. So, yeah, like you said, I was I would have been happy with a tie and you know, fully expecting them to drop all three points just because of the quality of team. Um, but we saw head coach Darren Powell deploy that uh, three four three formation and kind of change things up and get more guys forward. And eventually the dam broke and, um, you know, it, it happened for him. So what did you think of that formation? Um, kind of first impressions and then how did you think it played out? I love it. I think it's uh, it's making us a more dynamic team. It's giving us a little bit more uh, firepower up there in the front for offensive purposes. Um, obviously, we're a team that moves around a lot and shifts players around. So we're still, even though we've got three people on the back line, we still move people back and forth fluidly all the time. 
Um, so I really didn't see an issue with it. Our defense held well. I think it's important to note that the goal that the Timbers had wasn't from them make, making some miraculous shot. It was a, kind of a gut punch because Darnell King got a foul. And that will be his uh, fifth yellow. So he's going to go on accumulation and mix the next match. And he, uh, he got them a penalty kick. And they snuck it past the Restrepo. Restrepo jumped the wrong way. I mean, it's always a gamble with PKs. So yeah, good old coin it, flip. it's not like T2 went out there and was just running all over us and embarrassing us. It was, it was a penalty kick that did us in there yeah. in that regard. So I think we did great. I'm, I'm excited to, to see where the 3-4-3 takes us. It seems to work out better for our team. Yeah, I feel like, uh, especially in that first half, it just felt like San Antonio was, they had him on the ropes the entire half almost. Um, I've just found my printout of the stats here next to me that I had laid out so nicely so that I wouldn't have to scramble when we went live. <laughs> but um, So in the first half, San Antonio had 70% possession, and that's just insane. And it wasn't like they were just passing it in their end of the field. It was a lot of attacking, a lot of chances created, um for the entire game they had four six ten eleven twelve thirteen seventeen chances created between well, let's talk everyone. about it, shots they took they took 21 shots in that game yeah like t2 only took four <laughs> <laughs> that 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 says a lot right there i mean we yeah. we were we were owning that game there and we we looked great i'm i'm happy with it yeah, it, I thought it was a phenomenal game by San Antonio FC. And I feel like, you know, I hate to use the phrase like the the team that deserved to win did because at the end of the day, it's about scoring or, or not. But uh, I really felt like San Antonio deserved to win that based on just the performance that they put in. Um, so it, it was really good to see. And um, being down in the locker room area uh, after the game, it was – easily the most like pumped up uh pumped up we've seen them down there in a while and you could tell that it, it felt good um from a team side so very happy for that that's uh three points that you know you can add to the tally at home i, I king will miss sacramento yeah, but it's, sorry, it's a bummer no you're you're good um i think the only the big thing that i would take away from it and it's it's been a slight issue this whole season is that yes we took 21 shots I don't know how many of those were field goals because that, <laughs> that problem, we, we probably should have had a few more goals in there earlier in the game. We yeah. were doing a whole lot of putting it over the top, over the top of the goal, just straight field goals there. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you can't score if you don't shoot, but um, when it flies over the crossbar, it, it's kind of demoralizing because you're like, ah, I could have done better than that. But, you know, if it was once, that'd be one thing, but it's like, five six shots in that game there were plenty of them that went straight over the top that that could have easily been goals so a couple things that um really made this formation work and i have a piece on calledoffside.com about it um but some of the things that made this formation work so well is that instead of trying to pair another center back with ryan felix um who has been you know (laughs) Obviously, after the Dallas game, there's going to be some frustration about how that goal is given up. But overall for the season, Ryan Felix has been the best center back that San Antonio's had, hands down. Um, And so they abandoned trying to pair him with somebody and just paired him with two of the 
other best defenders on the team, uh, Darnell King and Greg Cochran. And so they're forming that three-man back line um, with Mikey Lopez and Jose Escalante essentially playing as wingbacks. Um, that we've seen them in more attacking roles generally. But um, really, if you watched where they were playing, they were, they were very defensive-minded uh, as far as their responsibilities went. And um, because of that, you were able to get initially Omar Gordon, Alex Bruce, and Cesar Elizondo. Um, and then eventually uh, Elizondo was traded out for Sonny Guadarrama. Um, but you were able to get them forward more and take some of that defensive responsibility off of them. And I think that's where San Antonio is going to continue to find success as long as they can defend against kind of a, a higher pressing team, um, which we haven't seen yet between T2 or FC Dallas, really. Um, as long as they can keep that defense going, this formation has serious potential because uh, we've all seen what Omar Gordon can do with the ball at his feet. So uh, I really dig it. And I thought uh, against Portland, it was, it was perfect. <laughs> it was awesome. And I'd say it was equally effective. We're transitioning here a little bit equally effective in the FC Dallas game. Yeah. So hopefully we're going to continue to build on it. We've got a game in 10 days. Yeah. Got a 10 yeah. day break before we play Sacramento here in, in San Antonio. So a little summer vacation before Sacramento comes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I, speaking of FC Dallas, we can talk about that. Uh, obviously San Antonio dropped one zero uh, against FC Dallas in that open cup match. Um, I, we sat next to each other again for this one. And yeah. the thing that we both said was it was so frustrating to give up a goal the way they did. And going back and watching our replay, it was essentially just a careless pass, a bad pass um, that was intercepted and, and they couldn't stop. And it, it's frustrating <laughs> to, to give a goal up. To, what was it? 12 seconds into the, the second half. That, that was worse for that was worse for me than losing on penalty kicks. And I hate penalty kicks when I obviously penalty, penalty kicks are great when you win, but when you lose, that's the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like we said before, it's a coin flip and, and going down like that, that's more frustrating to me than losing on penalty kicks. And that says a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was disappointing because it's not like, you know, in 2016 Houston beat that San Antonio team four nil. And it wasn't even close. And um, it wasn't the case on Wednesday for the FC Dallas game. Uh, SAFC kept up with them and really had them on the ropes for good chunks of time there. It was not um, the David versus Goliath that some people predicted. It was a fairly even match, which is incredibly impressive. Um, and, and it just sucks that that was what decided it. So... Yeah, and we, we easily could have had a few goals in this game. We had, what, two balls cleared off the line? Yeah, uh, God, center backs, man. <laughs> people collapsing in there and doing their jobs, man. But, yeah, this is just frustrating to me. The second half is frustrating to me. The first half was great. I mean, we were keeping right up with them neck and neck. Yeah. Offense looked good. I will say that I'm not – other than the Felix thing with, you know, the goal – Overall, in general, I'm not frustrated with what I saw out of our defense. They were doing a great job of keeping uh, keeping FC Dallas, Dallas at bay, especially yeah. Greg. Greg and Greg and Darnell were working their asses off in this game. Yeah, they were. Um, I felt like everything was anybody. going to uh, King or Gordon or, or Greg. Yeah, it, sorry, I 
I totally lost my train yeah, of thought. <laughs> I, I think what I'm more frustrated with is the offense in the second half. After that goal got in there, it, it seemed like everybody just was so deflated over it that they lost the will to go on. Well, at least everybody except for Gordon. <laughs> they definitely saw what Gordon did in the first half and, and made note of that. And FC Dallas came out and were focused on him. Yeah. And unfortunately, he didn't really seem to care. He kept on trying his ass off. And I've seen a lot of people say on, on social media this after this game that there, Gordon was playing selfish. Hmm. And I'd like to dispel that because honestly, if you're in a situation where like Gordon was, where several times you're putting in through balls through the middle um, and nobody's there consistently over and over and over, what, what else do you have to do other than go out there and be a one-man army? And that's exactly what Gordon did in this game. He tried to get it done himself because nobody else was getting down there to do it with him. And that's, that it's frustrating. I have a really hard time blaming him for anything negative. I thought he played his butt off and Greg Cochran acknowledged it after the game too, in the post game media availability. Um, I think he was one of the best attacking players on the field. I think it was, the biggest frustration for me was the other two forwards not keeping up with him and not being as forward as maybe they should have been at different points in the match, um, specifically Alex and Sonny. And Mm -hmm. it's frustrating because Sonny came on in that Portland game and changed a lot of things uh, for the better. And uh, Connor, of course, came on too and kind of lit a spark there as well. Um, but for whatever reason, it was not clicking the same way in Dallas. It felt like whether it was planned or not, Sonny was playing a little further into the midfield than he was the forward. And, uh, you know, Alex just wasn't where he needed to be sometimes. And maybe that's a communication issue. Maybe that's a tac- uh, tactical issue. Um, but it, it was frustrating to see some of the things that King and Gordon were pulling out of their ass just to fall flat in the final third. Um, you know, there's, there's not too much blame that I think you can put on Gordon responsibly. No, no. I, I think as far as your man of the match goes, Gordon's, Gordon's your man on offense, Cochran's your man on defense. There's no way around that. Um, yeah. I think my other big gripe with this game is the subbing situation. Um, obviously, we saw, you know, Bruce come out and, and Presley go in, which – is what I w- would like to see. But why do you wait until the 89th minute to essentially give – to bring Ethan Bryan on and give him four minutes to work with yeah. um, to try and do something in place of Sonny? Like, s- sub him out. At, give him 10 minutes at least. You know, sub him out at the 80th. Yeah. Give him some time to work with and get a, get a groove out there and get something done. I, I, I'm, frust- I'm frustrated with this. And I, I get it to a certain extent because – I feel like Powell was probably hoping that the men he had on the field were going to be able to get it done, hold, get something to equalize, go into extra time, and then save your subs for that. Because uh, FC Dallas wasn't in a great spot sub-wise. Um, they had to use two by halftime. They yeah. subbed on Kellen Acosta in like the 83rd minute. Um, so I understand the strategy of trying to hold those subs so you have fresh legs coming on in extra time. But you can't get to extra time if you don't get the goal first. Right. And- it's frustrating because trading out, um, you know, really the only attacking subs that were on the bench last night were Connor Presley, Ethan Bryant, um, and you mentioned moving King up and putting uh, Hedrick I, I, in. I said Hedrick. I, I didn't know the subs off the top of my head when I said that. I would have put Christian out there. 
Yeah. Before uh, I would have put Hedrick out there, honestly. Either way, I think you're sacrificing some defense when you do that, um, and especially the way King was playing from the back. So I, I really feel like the only two attacking subs that you could put in were Bryant and Presley. And at that point, you're trading um, one you know, relatively young player in Alex Bruce for one of two other uh, young players. And, you know, Sonny has a lot of experience and he's a veteran player. At, I think he's 33, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you, you got to hope that that veteran leadership can get you through. And, um, you know, they just couldn't, couldn't get it to fall their way. And, and again, we say all this, the, the most frustrating thing is that they were in it and it was not a blowout by any means. Yeah. So, um, you know, disappointed in the result, but um, pretty stoked about the level of play from this team. Like, if they're keeping up with one of the best teams in MLS right now, um, they have a good chance at, you know, rolling just about any team in USL as we go into the back half of the season here pretty soon. So there is a positive to take out of that, I think. <laughs> You're right. The, the overall showing from the team was great. Like, to see us keep up that well with FC Dallas – it's amazing. It's, yeah. It says a lot about the team and what the talent, the talent level we have here and what we can do in the long run in the rest of the season. Yeah. So uh, have a little break here and then uh, Sacramento will be at Toyota field for potential revenge game for San Antonio FC after starting their season out on a loss in Sacramento. Um, they'll get to face them again at home this time with a new look formation. Um, probably. And uh, probably won't be counting on some of the players that they had to count on at the, the beginning of the season, um, which we, we do have a potential player signing, as we yeah. found out today. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. But before we do, Royce writes in on Twitter. Uh, again, you can get at us on Twitter any point in the week, but especially right before we record. That's always the best time to get it in. Um, Royce says three, four, three, what are y'all's thoughts? Seems like it's a three, four, three in possession and a five, four, one in defense, uh, which will help the lax defending we've seen this season. I think it's a great tactical adjustment by Powell. Also, they apparently widened Toyota field to accommodate question mark. Um, so yeah, on the attack, it's, it looks like it's pretty much a standard three, four, three, and you, um, either have, if King or Cochran are moving the ball forward, you usually see a midfielder drop back um, mm -hmm. to make sure that there's three people back there at all times. Um, and yeah, the five, four, one, I'm not so much sure on the attacking side, but on the defensive side of the formation, um, it looks like it's designed to have at least four in the back, depending on where the ball is, because if you're watching um, like take the, the Portland game, for example, where you had, uh, Mikey on one side and Jose on the other. And depending on what side the ball was coming down, the wing back would, would shift back and fill out that four-man line uh, or potentially even a five-man line. But I didn't see that too much personally. I thought they were keeping it to four so that they could keep the numbers forward. Um, but I think the whole point of the formation, defense or attacking, is to keep numbers forward. Uh, and they've been generating so many chances that if they just throw enough at it, something's going to stick. And the best way to do that is to get more players in front of the opposing goal. So I love it. And, and I think it's working so far and until it doesn't work. I think they should roll, roll with it. hundred percent agree. 
to all I of that. I didn't notice the widening of Toyota Field thing, but I saw Steven Anderson and Jonathan yeah. Beck mention it. So they had a better vantage point than we did to to be able to see that. But I mean, they're as long as they're within regulation, there's a little give and take with that for length and width. So it could definitely be the case. And I mean, if that's what we need to do to accommodate our new formation, then so be it. Yeah. If they're trying to open up some room in the middle, why not widen the pitch? Like why yeah. not take it all the way to the sands? If, uh, if you could get away with it. I'm certainly going to be playing, paying closer attention to it when uh, we go watch the Sacramento game in yeah. 10 days. Yeah. Super interesting. Um, so thanks for writing in Royce. If uh, you have anything to say, you can yell at us on Periscope. If you have a Twitter account, you have a Periscope account. So it's super easy to join in there. You don't have to make an account or anything like that if you uh, are already on Twitter. So um, last thing San Antonio-wise is uh, Charlie Ward, former Houston Dynamo slash RGB player, uh, former thorn in the side of san antonio fc yes. um looks like he's gonna be jumping up and uh did you see that on the periscope stream was that just mine goofing what? up what happened it was like a different show popped up that was weird Shout out uh, to i definitely did not see that <laughs> uh it looked like the stanley cup final analysis that was weird um illegal stream of the stanley cup right here anyway um what are the golden ward. four stooping right now it's, it's part of their pregame pregame <laughs> thing right um charlie ward is uh it looks like he's going to be signing with san antonio fc um we saw this on reddit i do have a an article about this too on calledoffside.com if you want to go check that out calledoffside.com um, but it looks like uh, his Wikipedia was updated, and uh, for a little bit there, there was a ward listed on the official USL roster on, or on the official USL website for San Antonio FC's roster. So um, I'm I'm hoping that someone at USL just jumped the gun and that we're not <laughs> totally grasping at straws here. But uh, a lot of signs are indicating that midfielder Charlie Ward is probably going to be heading to San Antonio. So what do you think about adding another former rival to the squad? Well, I mean, he's, he got released by uh, the Dynamo over the summer. So or over the off season. So he's been, he's been available a while. I don't know if he's been sneaking in practices with San Antonio that we just haven't seen him or noticed him. Um, it's interesting. He's a defensive midfielder. At least that's what he's normally been in the past. So I don't know. We, another, another name to add to the list. I'm still waiting to see the impact by Kyle Murphy. <laughs> if he ever gets off the, the injury report. Yeah. Hopefully he can get healthy in this little break and we can see uh, a little RGV trio and, and, put it to use but um i'm excited yeah it looked like he was waived by houston in may um if i have my dates right did i have the year right because if it was may yeah there we go yeah may 2018 he was waived by houston so i thought it was a little Um, bit farther back than that he only he only played one match with houston and played the majority of his time with rgb he was with rgb and they got signed to a first team contract and um, they they didn't make the most of it. So now we can. Is. Yeah, now we can. <laughs> kind of like uh, they they dropped the ball with Jose Escalante, and and we ended up with Kyle Murphy too. So kind of kind of digging this. It, it's I I was thinking earlier that playing them four times a year in 2016 and 2017, you get some good scouting reports from that. Yeah. Like 
firsthand experience watching these guys. So um, we'll keep an eye out for that. Hopefully there will be an announcement soon. And, uh, you know, in, in this three four three, he could really fill – he could really fill in pretty solidly, I would think. Um, maybe in a rotation with Pekka or maybe fill in that spot where Roshendo was. Uh, I was thinking the Pekka. The Pekka spot is where I was thinking he was yeah. going to be. I, I don't think you can take Mikey Lopez off the field if he's healthy and uh, you know not, not tired. You're not saving him for anything else. I don't think you can take Mikey, uh, Escalante, Obviously, uh, Gordon, right. you can't take him and King and Cochran and Felix and Restrepo. Um, so I would, I would think that it would be a central midfield spot unless you're shifting Mikey in and, and putting him on the wing. But yeah, it's, it's exciting. And this is exactly the kind of position they need is that central midfield. They have plenty of guys to be at uh, the attacking side of the field and they've signed a million and a half defenders. So um, yeah, I, I'm excited. Hopefully this will work out. We'll see. I hope, we'll see, find out if it's even true. Yeah. <laughs> got to wait on confirmation first. <laughs> I'm rolling with it. Hopefully I don't get made fun of for a week because of this uh, not being true. He's going to end up signing with Vegas or something. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, there was a little talk about the international roster spots and mm-hmm. Um, I have a list from earlier in the season. I'm going to try and find it, but um, every team gets seven international spots uh, to start the season and they can sell those or buy those from other teams. But um, San Antonio was counting on Marco Jong being back this season. And I'm fairly sure that he occupied one of those international slots. So um, with him gone, I'm pretty sure they had at least one to burn. Um, and we were talking about a little bit about that on Twitter. So uh, that'll probably put SA at either six or seven, depending on a few different things. But anyway, this wasn't really on our list of things to talk about, but just something that is coming to mind as we talk about this formation stuff. Um, it's been a little while since we've seen Rafa uh, play significant minutes. It's been a couple games, it feels like. So I'm wondering how he fits into this 3-4-3 system being more of an attacking midfielder usually. He he may be on the outside looking in at this point. Or they're giving him rest, senior rest. I mean, I don't I don't who knows. Um of note it was his birthday on the day of the FC Dallas game. <laughs> so I mean, give him the night off. Let him party and celebrate and have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I I'm curious, you know. I, I I think Rafa still has a lot to give and he was playing really solidly at the beginning of the season, but I feel like he and Mikey Lopez um, were kind of competing for minutes. And uh, you know, at that point, as much as Rafa has done and and as much as Rafa can contribute, um, I think you have to play the guy who's going to be here for the longer term and uh, you know, the potential MLS player in Mikey Lopez. So Rafa's legacy is already solidified here in San Antonio For sure. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a knock against Rafa. It's just like, how do you, it's yeah. It's, it's just, a juggling act. It, yeah. it, that's what our team is at this point. It's, we don't have, we don't necessarily have clear cut starters in every position. There's it's a juggling act week to week with some of these guys. Rafa's unfortunately a part of that. It's like when, uh, you know, Tony Parker started taking the bench a little bit more often for DeJounte Murray and, uh, more soccer related, like when um, 
Courtois took over for Peter Cech with Chelsea with the goalkeeper situation. Like you got to play the guy who's who's going to be there and you know who has more potential if if they're at the same level. But anyway, so I, I got to ask it. This is off topic, but Dejounte Murray, you brought him up. You you, <laughs> you see that uh, at this last finals game, he was sitting in the row right behind the Cavs bench, right behind LeBron. I didn't see that. You know why that is. He's out there scouting, man. He's got he's to gotta woo him out to San Antonio, right? Exactly. No, no. It's already set, man. This is all part of LeBron's plan. Okay. LeBron's coming to San Antonio. It's all part of the plan. That's why Kawhi's staying. Going to have uh, Aldridge, Kawhi, Parker, Murray, LeBron, Danny Green, Manu for another like eight years. It's going to be killer, <laughs> man. <laughs> I, I, man, I would lose my shit if LeBron James came to San Antonio. I would love that. I'm not hey, if, they, if they lose this finals tomorrow night, I don't win, see a way that he, he's out of Cleveland. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. out of Cleveland, and I think his first stop would be San Antonio. He loves pop, man. Like, yeah. come on. Come on. We'll just have to get him on the podcast. Ask him ourselves. <laughs> um, Let's see if we can get it done. Now that we finish all that super relevant San Antonio talk, let's move on. Um, we have a lot of Austin stuff to talk about tonight, and we do. Um, I'm still honestly trying to get a grip of everything because it's so much information, and, and there keeps being more information presented uh, by various channels. Excuse me, that was really- we got hit with another big thing. Right before, like, not that long before the show, too, that just yeah. happened this afternoon, so. So, since we recorded our last full episode, um, PSV released their official proposal for the McCalla, uh Place site for their stadium. Um, the same day, the city released their analysis on the same site, um, looking into stadium costs and mixed-use development costs and uh, the improvements and, and all of that stuff. So we haven't had a city council meeting yet where they've been able to discuss this um, all together. 17th? It's coming up. It's it's in the next like two weeks, sometime in the next two, yeah. two weeks. So um, yeah, I want to say it's in the middle of next week. I can't I, remember the date off the top of my head now. I know the last meeting of the month, they, they have two meetings in June and right. they have one like the second or third week of the month. And then they have one on the 28th before they go on break for the whole month of July. They don't reconvene until mid August. I'm uh, totally looking it up right now. Um, but short, yeah, short story here is the city analysis basically said that McCall would be an acceptable site for a soccer stadium on their city analysis um, there's no way to put the PSV release proposal into short words. Um, <laughs> it was 189 pages. Yeah. It was a lengthy one with diagrams and charts and all sorts of fun things, breaking down every little detail. Um, not always in the best light, to be honest, now looking at things. Several questions to be asked about that proposal. So uh, June, June 12th, there's a council work session. And June 14th, there's a council meeting. Okay, so it's the 14th um, and the 28th then. And then they have the 26th and the 28th as well. And then it's the break until August uh, 9th. There you go. So June 12th. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a huge proposal. I've read through it. <laughs> you know how when you read something versus when you analyze something and break it all down? Um, I'm still working on that. I don't know if I'm ever actually going to finish it. But um, 
the the long short of it is that um, it looked like as far as infrastructure went, as far as road improvements, pedestrian improvements, that kind of stuff, the mixed use development and the stadium had very similar costs, whereas the stadium, since PSV would be paying for that construction, um, the costs of putting in a stadium versus putting in mixed use development was exponentially smaller. And right. so looking at the pure numbers, trying to not you know put too much subjectivity in it, but just the pure numbers, it looked like it would be cheaper to do a stadium. Um, doesn't mean it's the best option for everyone. Um, but one of the things that we found out recently was that, and I'm going to be really careful how I word this. I think we both need to be really careful how we word all of this, um, is because allegedly, um, allegedly (laughs) Susan Spatero, who, uh, used to work for Travis County. Um, is allegedly on the payroll for Circuit of the Americas, which is where um, the Austin USL team is set to take the field in 2019. Um, she is also the person who is commissioned, according to the footnotes of these studies, um, she's commissioned a couple studies that are very pro-affordable housing, mixed development, and thereby kind of anti-stadium. Um, right. I, I've been trying to reach, uh, I actually got an email right as we were going on the air. Uh, I've been trying to reach out to the USL Austin group and to Spatero, but they are um, surprisingly difficult to get a hold of. So um, I would love to give them the chance to comment. I'm not cool. trying to make baseless accusations, but what it looks like is that someone who has a vested interest in Circuit of the Americas is trying to derail the MLS stadium. Did you, um, did you contact the media people for Circuit of the Americas? I bet you they know how to get a hold of Susan Spatero. We'll talk off air. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> yeah. Um, so we're, <laughs> it's an interesting yeah. situation, but nothing's confirmed. These are all just allegations at this point. Yeah. And, and people, you know, trying to make things happen that may or may not actually be happening. And yeah, so. I think that's the best way to phrase it is that allegedly these things are happening. There are accusations by a few people on social media. Um, and uh, we haven't heard much from the Austin group, the USL group rather. Um, so yeah, that's soccer wars. <laughs> Take the turf in I mean, Austin. It's... You, you had to expect some of this stuff was going to happen at some point. There's going to be shady dealings under the table with some of this stuff. And it, I, I don't see it stopping anytime soon. It's, it's the same type of tactics and things that we're, we're seeing out of the PSV and Columbus situ- situation. Like there's, there's stuff happening under the table and behind the scenes to uh, turn wheels and make stuff happen without people knowing. Well, I'm sure the relationship, like what, I, what I'm reminded of, even though this is a little different, was when Oklahoma City had two teams, when they had OKC Energy and Rio OKC in NASL, um, both playing in the same season, same year and everything. Um, I'm sure that relationship wasn't nice and sunny all the time. So um, as much as we'd like to believe that everyone is just like, yay, more soccer. That's probably not going to be the case across the board. So um, yeah, it's interesting. And this wasn't on our list, but there was also um, advertising on YouTube 
using the Save the Crew logo. Uh, oh, to really? Pro. Yeah, I meant to put this on there. There was, uh, someone got a screen cap of a advertisement on a YouTube video that was pro-affordable housing, anti-stadium, and it had the Save the Crew logo on there. <laughs> and it to people in Austin. Um, and to their credit, the Save the Crew group did come out and say that that was not them and that the person or persons who did it need to stop doing it because that uh, image is trademarked, that logo is trademarked. Um, but it makes you wonder, like, there was also that plane that was flying around uh, with the banner behind it about, yeah. you know, daddy's money and all that. And I... Dirty tactics. I'm excited for these council meetings because I'm excited to see where this all goes. <laughs> Are you? I mean, we're going to end up sitting there for 12 hours listening to nothing before something happens at 11 o'clock at night when yeah, we're done right. recording the podcast for the 14th or the 28th. Well, you got to think that PSV wants to get something done this month before that break happens because if it delays it a full month before they can even get an answer... Um, that's going to cause timeline issues for them as far as uh, getting that new stadium built. And it puts them in a temporary home for even longer if the move happens, uh, assuming the move happens. But Correct. Yeah. They're, Drama. My understanding is, is that they're trying to push uh, for something to be done before the end of June, if not an actual agreement with the city, at least some sort of memorandum of understanding Right, which is what they need if they're going to continue to move forward <laughs> right now at this yeah. point. Um, we got a lot of interesting tidbits um, a few hours before the show went. We did the show tonight um, from Leslie Poole, who's an Austin City Council member. She had an interview with the Columbus Dispatch that got posted this evening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there. <laughs> say what you got to say. I know you want to say oh, something. No, I I just think it's funny anytime. Anytime someone's giving an interview to the opposite side, uh, it's like, eh, really? Who's, who's your target audience here, you know? Well, the lead headline on this, this uh, article on the Columbus Dispatch, and I encourage everybody to go hunt it down and read it because it's an interesting read going all the way through it, and we can't cover every little thing that they have in it. Yeah. Um, but basically the big headline was it, from it was that Leslie Poole says that the plan doesn't pencil out and that it looks like a massive getaway on the part of PSV. Yeah. Um, PSV, they don't want to pay property taxes, but they want the city to cover most of the costs for them without any revenue and, and, and the revenue to pay for it, which we could get from the property taxes. Um, so one of the things we did find out in that PSV proposal is that they want to pay, they want to pay for the stadium, but the city is going to own it and they want to rent the land in the stadium for a dollar a year for 20 years. I wish I could rent my house for a dollar a year for 20 years. <laughs> I was just thinking, man, I think I could afford that. Um, yeah, that's, I would love to know kind of more the inside dealings of what the Spurs setup is with Toyota Field because uh, the rent is probably drastically different. I, sure. I can't imagine it's a dollar, but um you know, the city owns the land and the stadium for Toyota Field and the Spurs lease it. Um, so in the Austin situation, uh, Precourt would build the stadium and Austin would still own the land and all that. So, um, you know, I get not wanting to pay property tax on something that you don't own, but um, yeah, it's, 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 
it's bigger than that though because straight from leslie pool's mouth she said that they want all the benefit from it they want the gate fees the merchandise the concessions the advertising you name it they want to keep it and they don't want the taxes they want all 100 percent of the revenue the city gets nothing basically other than a stadium that if there's loans taken out to pay for and things like that they could be on the hook for down the road if if uh pre-court decides to you know jump ship again right yeah, I I get it, man. Like, I, I 100% get it. I kind of feel like this is sort of where negotiations start, though, where both sides say we want all of X or we want all of Y, and then they kind of meet in the middle. Um, but I think we'll get more information on that when the meetings actually start. But um, I, I 100% agree with you there. Um, one other interesting tidbit, especially in regards to dates where we're going to have meetings um, with city council is – as we know, pre-court is under a time crunch here to get things done to make sure they're here for the 2019 season in Austin. Um, but Leslie Poole said that she's submitting a resolution at the June 28th meeting before they go on, on July break for other proposals for the use of McCalla, the McCalla site to be heard. So not actually to have those, that, those proposals heard, but for a resolution to have them be heard at some point in the future. So yeah. then we're Just probably looking at august and september and you know pushing back and back and back as these other groups that want to use the 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 site um get their proposals together and have an opportunity for them to be heard before any decision about mls in austin happens from the city council yeah that's that's got to be frustrating for psv and for anyone who wants that soccer team to be there and um you know, Poole's been against it from the get-go before there was ever even a proposal, so it's not a surprise that she's so adamant about this. Um, there's 11 people on the council, if you include Mayor Adler, and, um, you know, that her one voice may not be able to derail everything, but it might be able to delay some stuff yeah. to where, uh, you know, it makes things a little more complicated. But I... I can't imagine that PSV actually expects to get all of that and that it's going to be, give us all of this or we're not coming. Um, I I really think that that's just the beginning of negotiations and we're going to find ourselves somewhere closer to the middle. I'm Um, sure you're right. And that's probably what's going to happen here. Or it could be totally wrong and, you know, (laughs) ends up in Sacramento or, you know, San Antonio. Hey, we got a stadium, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like there's a lot of hurdles to still be cleared here, especially after hearing the things Poole had to say. There was a lot of, she, she talked a lot about parking concerns, um, that there's a thousand of the spots are allocated for, from a, a, a UT building that's nearby, a research center that's nearby. Mm-hmm. The research center was contacted. They haven't been contacted at all in regards to the use of their spots on their site. Right. Apparently, there's a big chunk of, of uh, parking that is on the other side of a set of railroad tracks that has no um, safe crossing place implemented that wasn't accounted for. Um, so pre-court caring about the safety of the public was brought up and discussed. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's complicated. Kids. <laughs> it's complicated. God, it's going to get so dirty. It's going to get really dirty really quick, I think. But um, I... I think we're months away from hearing a, an actual agreement like at this point. Like, I'd be surprised if it's done by the end of the year. I think it depends on how receptive the rest of council is and how flexible PSV is in what they want. Um, I don't know that they're going to get 
man, I don't know that they're going to get an actual deal done by the end of the June sessions, but um, I could see them getting at least the the letter of intent, the memo of understanding, or whatever the official term was. It, but uh, what are the memorandum memorandum of understanding? But how can you get that when when you you've got pool sitting there putting a resolution in on June twenty eighth to have other proposals for the site be heard? This site has sat vacant for decades. <laughs> like it's it's being treated as this like prime location that's been fought for for years and you know if the stadium wasn't proposed for that site until the the stadium was proposed for that site there wasn't anything going on there um so i really feel like there's not any credible bids for other plans like okay you want it for affordable housing who's going to build it like is the city on the hook for that are you like hoping that a developer steps forward like there's a mixed use developer that is apparently developing adjacent to the Macala site that may potentially want in on it Maybe and we're talking in the hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investment from them so yeah I, I mean there's there's possibilities on the table I I guess what I'm getting at here is I don't necessarily think it's more of a this isn't going to happen because of these proposals it's more it's going to push the date back farther and farther and far, as they have to hear these sort of things so that, you know, I think we'll be lucky if we have an agreement in place before the end of the year by Christmas. And then you're looking at how are they going to get everything together before the 2019 season? <laughs> then they're, they're not here till 2020. And yeah, it, it's going to get complicated and messy and ugly. <laughs> well, you know, pretty much has been since the start. So <laughs> I'm not going to clean up anytime soon from the looks of it. Yeah. Well, so that's pretty much Austin right now. We should know more later this week or later next week, rather, um, after those first uh, work sessions and meetings take place. Um, hopefully it's done by the time we record next week. Oh, <laughs> it's Thursday night, so we might be talking about it live as it happens. But yeah. <laughs> hopefully it's one of the earlier things this time and not hanging around till midnight. Should, should I make another box on, on the... <laughs> <laughs> on the layout for the thing we'll just have the feed live from from that's not the worst on. idea i'm gonna be honest that would actually be pretty fucking cool <laughs> even if it's on mute <laughs> oh man um the other big thing going on next week is uh, a little tournament called the world cup um you know i i'm over the fact that the u.s isn't in it i'm past it i'm ready for the party to get started and and to uh, just enjoy enjoy it for what it is, the U.S.-less World Cup. Um, so the party kicks off Thursday morning, 10 a.m. Central, when Russia and Saudi Arabia will uh, get Ooh. things started. That's a barn burner right there. Oh, man, I've been waiting for that matchup my whole life. But uh, then Friday morning, uh, a few more games kick off. Uh, one o'clock is probably the most interesting one. Uh, maybe the seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Egypt and Uruguay play. We'll see if Mo Salah is in there or not. And uh, at one o'clock, Portugal and Spain kick off, and that should be interesting. But um, how much interest do you have in this World Cup, Larry? And uh, do you have one or two countries that you're pulling for in particular? I don't have a ton of interest in. It. I mean, I'm going to watch it when I'm home. I'm not. 
yeah. like I said in the past, I think I said that mentioned this on other episodes. Um, in the past, I have called out of work <laughs> and like scheduled days off around games that I wanted to see. I'm right. not going out of my way to do that this year. Um, but I think the two teams that I settled on are England and the little country that could Iceland. There you go. <laughs> what I about saw, you? Who are you picking? You know, I've got my England kit. I almost or England shirt rather. I don't have a full kit, but um, I almost wore <laughs> almost wore it for this week for the podcast. I'll save it for next week. But um, my boy Harry Kane and uh, you know the only footballer that uh, my son can name face to name so i don't know what that says about my parenting but um there's a picture that got out today of uh harry kane meeting with prince william the the older one mm-hmm. and uh thought that was interesting to see he looked like a fan william i mean <laughs> so i stumbled across something today in regard it relates to the world cup i'm going to throw this one at you i didn't put it on our list ahead of time have you been paying attention to, I, I'm pretty sure you have it, BBC News Africa? Oh, today. yeah, about the bribery? The bribery. Yeah, it's a, we should it's have a talked new, about that. It's a new video documentary about corruption and bribes in African soccer in Ghana um, by an undercover, he's going by a, a ghost name, Anas yeah. Aramea, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, he's on Twitter at at Honest Global, um, and he put out a documentary called Betraying the Game. And he's been working on this for over two years, and he's been documenting and offering bribes to people as, so- as a soccer official. Soccer official. Um, some of the most troubling things about it, at least how it relates to the World Cup, is that um, a Kenyan assistant referee um, was caught on video accepting a $600 bribe to match tamper in Ghana. And he was supposed to be a an assistant referee for the World Cup games. Has he been pulled? Because I did. saw he that resigned. some of them were scheduled too, but okay. He resigned from it. Um, but there was a lot of it. There's senior FIFA officials from African soccer involved from taking bribes. The president of the Ghana Football Association took a $65,000 bribe. <sighs> um, but in total, there was over 100 refs involved in match tampering. Um, with video documented bribes being taken in African soccer. It's so frustrating that it's 2018 and that's still a thing that we're dealing with. Like, I know FIFA is like the worst company, uh, yeah. worst organization as far as transparency and legitimacy, but come on. I mean, a, a senior FIFA official took a bribe. Like, that's it. Yeah. It's, that says it all right there. Jeez. I don't know. Crazy. It's messy, but it's World Cup relatable because World Cup referees were going to be there. <laughs> at least one that was caught on video had to resign. So, yeah, it's messy. It's, it's like if it didn't have enough corruption and uh, treachery in Russia already. <laughs> so, I know you're pulling for Iceland and England. Do you have a predicted winner for the whole thing? Because even though I'm pulling for England, I don't think they'll win. But do you have uh, somebody that you think will win overall? Ask me after the group stage. That's fair. Let me let me see how some teams are shaking out first, because I, I I am woefully I don't watch a whole lot of international soccer right now. I just yeah. I'm um, so I need to make some time to watch some of these games and see how teams look overall before I make any assumptions here. I'm gonna call my shot with Germany, but I know they're not as strong as they were last cycle. But calling my shot with Germany. 
I German mean, last name. Going to be watching most of these games at a German bar living in New Braunfels. So, um, you if know. you're going to shoot a shot at one team in particular, Germany's just as good as several of them. Like they're, yeah. they're right up there. Well, we'll get back to you after the group stage in, in a couple of weeks and yeah. see what you think. That's fair. I'll give you that. <laughs> I have way too much time on my hands. Um, last couple of things we wanted to talk about before we run out the clock here. Um, kind of a surprise story in my opinion, but the San Diego Union Tribune is reporting that USL denied the expansion application for San Diego pro soccer team 1904 FC, which was the team, I believe, uh, no, that was different. Anyway, uh, it was a team that was planning on playing in NASL, I believe. Um, and from what I've seen in kind of comment sections and people commenting on it, is that one of the likely causes for it being denied was the rule where you have to have a majority ownership uh, in the local market. And uh, the majority owners right now are Dimaba and Eden Hazard and a couple other um, people that are based abroad and not in San Diego. So that's... I believe it was 30% of the ownership has to be local. 30%, not 20, 20 or 30%. Yeah. Um, but they haven't been able to secure that. But it seems like this whole situation is messy. They've got stadium issues. Um, they've got several officials on the team that left when the NAS- NASL thing fell apart and yeah. have not been replaced. It's, it seems like a messy bid all around. Yeah. Um. I I would love to see San Diego get a team. Like they've been pulling for something, whether it be MLS, USL, and ASL, something for a while. So uh, that's a market that should get a local team, and, and you're never going to beat the people that are crossing the border to watch uh, in Mexico. But um, you know, it's it, it should be something that they have locally if they want it. I mean, you've you've got to think somebody's willing to put money up on this. Like, yeah it's San Diego. It's a great, it's a great soccer market or it should be at least. It kind of makes me wonder what the deal was with Phoenix and um, Didier Drogba, like how much he owns of that club. Well, I guess he's based in Phoenix, so it wouldn't matter. He lives here now. Yeah. Never mind. Maybe that's part of why he's playing is, Hey, look, I'm based here. I'm on the freaking team. Um, Man. Could you imagine if Eden Hazard and, Dimaba, we're playing against Didier Drogba in USL. Like these crazy ass. Yeah. Anyway, I'd be buying tickets. We're <laughs> flying, man. That Dude, game what? in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and the last little thing we had was uh, a little thing. I shouldn't have phrased it like that. Sorry, New Mexico, but. Uh, USL announced USL New Mexico, um, which I want to clarify is not USL Albuquerque. They announced USL New Mexico, which will be headquartered in Albuquerque. Um, and they'll be playing in division two. Um, it seems like they want this team to be in Albuquerque, right? Like I, yeah, everything I've seen made me, made it sound like they were going to be in Albuquerque. I thought it was going to be USL Albuquerque. They're, <laughs> They're going to be the fifth new club set to join the league for the 2019 season. I I literally can't keep track of this league. No, how many teams there are in each conference? And we're getting three conferences this next year, right? Like have we have to. There's no way around it. There's yeah, you have to. So, so 
my only concern is the way they're phrasing this. I hope it's not like a Phoenix situation where they were Arizona United for a while. Um, Cause soccer is so local that like, it shouldn't be Texas FC, like or New Mexico FC it should be Albuquerque, the Albuquerque, you know, uh, oh man, what's the Heisenberg, Albuquerque Heisenbergs from uh, Breaking oh, Bad. That took Lord. place in Albuquerque, right? Uh, uh, I don't Albuquerque know Albuquerque sure. Gems Not Minerals Marie FC. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It should be something not New Mexico FC or New Mexico United. So hopefully we'll see that. I don't know. Yeah. Totally <laughs> now now, I'm, I'm, now I'm sitting here trying to think about New Mexico names and I can't. <laughs> The New Mexico turquoise guys. Uh, trying to think of their like deserty things. That's about all I got. There, there's a lot of Native American tribes in 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 New Mexico, but I don't think probably they want to go down that road. That. Yeah, that. <laughs> should um, probably stay away from that. Um, yeah, I I think it's cool because El Paso is coming in the league, and uh, that'll probably be their closest rival. I would think would be Albuquerque and El Paso more more so than any of the texas teams so it's not a bad drive <laughs> no it's better than driving to san antonio from el paso or dallas to el paso definitely so yeah that's about all i got Do we anything miss else you want to talk about oh i'm sure we missed a ton man we missed uh general manager of the u.s men's national team we missed uh you know, Three they, oh, Hope Solo. Hope oh, Solo yeah. doesn't want America to get the World, World Cup for 2026. So. She's really bitter. God. Really bitter. Um, we skipped over this, but three USL teams did advance to the next round in the oh, US yeah. Open Cup. My bad, uh, I can't read. Sacramento is playing uh, LAFC, and then Louisville and Nashville got stuck together. Yeah. But Nashville's pretty much an MLS team already anyway, so... At least that means one of the USL teams will get through. Yeah. Yay. We did it. I think that's it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, We're here every Thursday night, 9 p.m. on Twitter and Periscope at TX Soccer Radio. Um, Thank you to Beautiful Game Network for uh, helping us do what we do and to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. You can get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com that's r-u-f-f neckscarves.com um thank you uh everyone who's listened to the the periscope version the podcast version everything else um it's gonna be a fun rest of our season we've got some new things planned soon that we'll deploy uh still working on those little teaser for you but um it's gonna be fun we're gonna change things up a little bit and, and keep it fun so um you can follow us on social media at tx soccer radio at larry leathers 87 and at kyle underscore Mankey. um you can check out my new website calledoffside.com and uh yeah we're gonna go play some video games and drink some beer so yes we are <laughs> and then we will catch you next week thank you so so much for listening we will see you later